Hello and welcome to Unity Presbyterian Church Online. This week in worship, the question is, how can God help me worry less? Let's listen. Well, we are doing a summer series based off of your questions, and we've got a good one today. We've got a question that's universal. I know it's a question that all of us have had at some point in our lives because it's a question that deals with worry. What do we do when there's worry in us? And we'll get to that question in a minute. But first, I wanted to share with you that the American Psychiatric Association recently conducted a poll to find out what is causing Americans anxiety. What in their life is causing them stress? And here's what they found. They found that nine out of 10 people who responded to the poll said that they were anxious about inflation and about the economy. That's nine out of 10 people. 90% said that, that right there is causing me stress. And on top of that, 51% were also anxious about the potential loss of income during this turbulent time. Now that's not to mention, we still have a pandemic to contend with, don't we? Yeah, 47% said that they were actively still worried on a day-to-day or week-to-week basis about the pandemic. And these are all global examples. They don't even include the things in our personal lives that cause us worry and stress. Now, I'm not going to keep going because I don't want to cause more worry and more stress. That's not why you came to church today, or that's not why you're watching online today. So no, we We could continue with this list, but we're not going to do that. Suffice to say, all of us deal with worries and anxiety. You don't have to feel alone in that. That's a universal issue, which makes today's question so pertinent. Today's question that came from the congregation is, I feel anxious and sad about what's happening in the world. How can God help me feel less worried? Well, the opening problem is stated right there. I feel anxiety about world events, things that are happening out in the world. But the question actually identifies the solution too. How can God help me feel less worried? Well, I'm here to say I believe God can help us feel less worried, but not in a way that involves us sticking our head in the ground and ignoring the issues that face our world. I don't think that's what God wants us to do, but quite the opposite. I believe God wants us to engage with the problems of the world and and work towards solutions as God works in us and through us. But in order to get to that point, where we can constructively work towards the problems that our world faces, we need to first be able to think about those problems without being racked with worry or fear or anxiety. So that's where we're going to go this morning. And I want to start with a, a great psalm. It's a psalm that's it's worth memorizing if you enjoy memorizing Scripture, but it's Psalm 34. And the psalmist says this, I prayed to the Lord, and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. What I like about this psalm is it refers to how fear 
can act like a prison, right? Worry, fear, anxiety, all these afflictions act the same way where they imprison us in our minds and we feel trapped within our worries. Have you heard the phrase, thoughts produce feelings? The idea behind that, and then there's research to back this up, is that often we think that the feelings come first. I feel worried. I feel nervous about this thing. But research indicates that oftentimes it starts with a thought. A thought that makes you then have a bodily reaction to that thought. Where maybe you are thinking about something that you're worried about, that's coming up. Something that's causing you stress. And all of a sudden, then you feel it, don't you? And maybe your heart starts beating a little bit faster. Or maybe you have a hard time going to sleep that night. And those physical sensations, the feelings, then can cause more unhelpful thoughts. Oh, why is this happening to me? Oh no, is this ever going to stop? And do you see how it creates this vicious loop of negative thoughts and negative feelings that just go around and around and around? So yeah, the psalmist was right. When the psalmist wrote thousands of years ago that our worries and our fears can act like a prison. And only God can free us from that prison. The psalmist says, he freed me from all of my fears. Well, I bet you're wondering how, right? If that's possible, how? How will God do this? How can God free me from my fears and anxiety? So to answer that, I want to study something the prophet Isaiah said. Isaiah spoke to God's people when they were in their own prison of fear. They had recently been conquered by a neighboring country, Babylon. And those who weren't killed in the siege were then brought back to Babylon as exiles. And in that time of extreme fear and extreme worry, God spoke through Isaiah. And I'd really like to study in depth Isaiah's message to them because I think there's so much we can apply to our lives today when we're going through fears and worries of our own. So here is how Isaiah begins in chapter 40, verse 28. Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depth of his understanding. So how does Isaiah start? Isaiah starts by describing God. Yet, he recognizes that they're in a bad situation, but he doesn't start with their situation. He starts with the character of God. How often, when you're going through something hard, when you've got a challenge that is in front of you, can all you see is that challenge? But Isaiah doesn't start with the challenge. Isaiah starts with the character of the God who's going to get us through that challenge. And so Isaiah says, don't you remember? God is everlasting. God is the creator of all. God's strength is unfathomable. His wisdom, far-reaching. The depth of God's understanding is without compare. 
So when we feel that anxiety creeping up within us, we would be wise to start where Isaiah started, by reminding ourselves of the character of God. So go ahead and think of something that you're anxious about. We've all got a list, don't we? Whatever it is, it cannot compare with a God that worship. Yes, when our minds are gripped in those unhealthy thought patterns, that feeling can seem so all-encompassing, can't it? I mean, it can feel like the problem we face is this big, and we're this big in comparison. But Isaiah says, no, 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 no. don't think about the problem, and don't think about yourself. Think about the God that we worship, because there is no problem that you will ever go through that is bigger than the God that we worship. So it's really a a reframing, isn't it? It's a reframing of our situation from what the situation feels like to what is actually true. It may feel like the problem is massive and that God is absent, but the truth is that God is everlasting and that God is always present and that no problem can stand in the presence of God. Yes, it's about putting things in perspective. So let's think about perspective taking for a second. I want you to imagine that there's two people and they're standing on either side of a river and one person yells to the other, hey, how'd you get to the other side of the river? And the person yells back, you're on the other side of the river. What side of the river are you on? It's all about the perspective that we choose to take with the problems of life that face us. Martin Luther King Jr. had an absolutely wonderful quote that's all about this, about when you look out at the world and you see all the problems of the world, what perspective do you choose to take? Here's what he said. He said, The universe is not a tragic expression of meaningless chaos, but a marvelous display of an orderly cosmos. What a wonderful perspective to take. Because when he looked at the world, he saw the worst that the world had to offer. He saw racism and hatred and violence, but that's not all he saw. Because as a pastor and as a Christian, he also saw God at work. And he believed that if God is at work, then this world that we live in is not just a world of meaningless chaos. It's a world where God has a plan, and you and I are a part of that. And so what side of the river are you standing on? What's your perspective when you look out at the world? Do you see the world as an example of just tragic, meaningless chaos? Or do you see the world with all of its flaws as a marvelous display of orderly chaos. Personally, when I look out of the world, I see a world that needs a lot of work. But I also see a God that is willing to do that work, to partner with humanity, to make this world that we live in a better place. So that's how we begin. Isaiah says, start with the character of God. Don't start with your problem. Don't start with your fear. Start with the character of God. 
And when you remind yourself of that character, God's going to then empower us to face whatever it is that's in front of us. So that's where Isaiah goes next in these next two verses. Isaiah says, he, meaning God, he gives power to the weak. Which means when you're feeling weak, when you're feeling like I can't face that problem, God gives us power. And God gives strength to the powerless. I mean, even youth will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion. Think about when you were a youth. You probably remember it as having boundless energy, don't you? I mean, when you're a teenager, you feel like, I could have done anything. Um, I led a mission trip to Alaska uh, with high school youth, and on the very last day, we had a fun day. And so uh, a a smaller group of them signed up to go salmon fishing, which meant that we had to wake up early in the morning. And we got on a bus, and we drove for two hours to apparently the best salmon fishing place. We fished all day. I didn't catch anything, but they caught several things. And then we drove all the way back. We took a picture of the bus ride back. I want you to count how many high schoolers you can spot that are passed out from exhaustion. How many are asleep? Let's go ahead and show that picture and go ahead, count them. (laughs) How many do you see in that picture that are just exhausted? If you guessed nine, then you are correct. Nine out of the 10 high schoolers were passed out from exhaustion from their day. And so, yeah, as Isaiah says, even youth grow weary. We're talking about how, as humans, we can't just keep going and going and going. We don't have boundless energy. There are limits to what we can do. The God we worship is limitless, but we have limits. And I don't mean just physically tired. We get mentally tired too, can't we? I mean, it can be mentally taxing to live in a world where there is so much that is going wrong. It can be mentally exhausting to open up the newspaper every day and see another shooting, to see another climate crisis, to see something else happening in our world that affects us negatively. But my advice to you, based off of Isaiah, is to not fixate on what is going wrong, but instead fix your eyes on the God who makes all things right. Again, not the problem, but on God. Because it is God, Isaiah says, who strengthens us. It is God who empowers us. And when you're in the midst of life storms, that's crucial to remember. Now, sometimes when you're really in it, and you know how that feels, I mean, there are some times when you're a little stressed, but it's, you'll get by. But when you're really in it, it can be overwhelming to think, how do I get out of this? What could I possibly do? In those moments, it may be as simple as remembering to pray. Remembering to pray to God. I mean, think of the psalmist again who said, I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. God doesn't leave us hanging. God doesn't abandon us to our worry. He 
answered me and he freed me from all of my fears. So, so far, Isaiah has said we start with the character of God. And then when we lean into that, God empowers us to face the problems of the day. And then what Isaiah is going to say next is when we learn to trust in that, that trust that God is actually going to meet us there and empower us through our problems, something beautiful happens. And so let's go ahead and read this last section of the passage. Isaiah 40, 31 says, But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. When we learn to trust God, when we're in the problems of the day, something beautiful happens. Isaiah says that we will find new strength. And that's a strength that doesn't come from you. It's not something that you conjure up on your own or figure out on your own. That's a new strength that can only come from God. That new strength, I believe, is what can get us through the times of anxiety and the times of fear. And so, what does trusting God really look like? If by trusting God, we're able to to find and access this new strength, well, what does that really look like? Well, I love how Isaiah describes it. Because Isaiah describes us living in a world where we can get weary with the world that we face. But Isaiah says, instead of growing faint, instead of falling in exhaustion, instead of being like a youth who gets tired, Isaiah says we can soar. We can soar on wings like eagles. I want to show you a picture of what that looks like. Because sometimes an image can do even more than the words on the page. This is what Isaiah is describing. And I think it's a beautiful image. Because if fear and anxiety can act like a prison, if your worry can act like a cage, Isaiah says when we learn to trust in God, it's at that moment that, that the feeling's more like soaring, like an eagle. That's a beautiful picture where we've come full circle, haven't we, in this scripture of where Isaiah is leading us to. So again, we all have fears. You're not unique in that. You're going to have hard days. You're going to have challenges. And that's okay, but we worship a God who meets us in those challenges. And so I would like to close this time of our service with one of my very favorite Bible verses about anxiety. It's actually just one of my favorite verses in general, um, but it particularly has to do with this topic, which is the reason I include it. It's another good one to memorize so that when your mind begins to get in those unhealthy thought patterns, you can simply recite to yourself this scripture to remind you not of what you feel, but of what is true. And so I'm going to invite you to really hone in on some of your worries for a moment. What is it in your life that's currently bringing stress into you? And I know that's not always the most fun to think about, is it? We want to avoid thinking about those things. But for a moment, 
I'd ask you to bring that to the surface of your mind because we are going to intentionally lay that at the feet of God to say, God, this is not my burden to carry. God, I, I want to find that new strength in you that comes from trusting in you. And so, God, I'm turning this over now. I'm taking it off of myself and giving it to you. So think about your own stresses and worries and then hear these words from the scriptures. When Paul says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah and amen. If you would like more information about Unity Presbyterian Church, please visit our website at www.unitypres.org or visit us on Facebook. This is the Unity Presbyterian Church Podcast. Have a great week.